be seated if you have your copy of God's Word, if you would open it again to the sixth chapter of Matthew, Matthew chapter six, and you can put a marker there as we're going to be there for some time as we study the Lord's Prayer. This will take us up to our Thanksgiving message in the month of November. Matthew chapter six, please, if you'll find your spot there, will be there in just a moment. Earlier this month, First Baptist Atlanta celebrated 50 years of uh, ministry with Dr. Charles Stanley. Uh, He became an associate pastor there back in 1969 and then became the pastor two years later. And I know a lot of you probably have seen or you listened to him on television or radio, but I don't know how much you know about his past. 
uh, about his story. And uh, I thought I would share just a, just a little bit about his story uh, to begin. And I want to give it to you in his own words. Uh, this is a letter that he wrote uh, that I had in my files back in um, January of 2015. He wrote, at one point in my life, everything seemed to be going well. But there was an empty spot in my soul. After unsuccessfully trying to figure out what it was, I called four friends to help me discern what God was trying to tell me. We met together and I told them everything I could remember about my past. The next morning, one of them told me to close my eyes and imagine that my father had just picked me up in his arms. He said, what do you feel? I started crying because I had never experienced a father's love. My dad died when I was only a baby. I had known God's love theologically and it preached about it. But at this moment, I was overwhelmed by his fatherly love for me. Then the Lord started to reveal more things I'd covered up. The loneliness I'd experienced early in life. The unforgiveness I had toward my stepfather. And even the anger I felt toward God for taking my father from me. The Lord pulled up all these emotions because he wanted to heal me and use me for his purposes. How grateful I am that he intervened in my life. My relationship with Christ now is so much deeper than it ever would have been if I'd simply ignored the painful issues from my past. Now, I don't know if you caught, there's one sentence in particular I hope that you caught in that. I don't know if you did or not. He talked about this. He said, I have known God's love theologically and it preached about it. But at this moment, I was overwhelmed by his fatherly love for me. How much do you know about and understand and experience the fatherly love of God? Now, I bring this up today because we're picking up our study of the Lord's Prayer. And last week, we kind of laid the groundwork and we kind of gave you some warnings that the Lord Jesus gave right before he gives the prayer itself. And this morning, we're actually going to enter into the prayer and we're going to see the opening uh, words of the prayer. And I told you last time we met together that every Sunday that we preach on this, we're actually going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And you can pray it from memory. You can read it off the screen. You can use that sheet that I gave you. Uh, if you're memorizing it, learning it for the very first time, I would encourage you to follow along as we say it together. But remember, we're praying this prayer. We're not just saying, we're not just reciting it. This is a prayer that we're praying to the Father. So I ask you, if you would, would you pray it with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you haven't already found your place, do so there in Matthew chapter 6. And we find we're going to look at the ninth verse today. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We covered the first part of this verse last time. In this manner, therefore pray. We talked about the fact that the Lord's Prayer is a pattern prayer. It's a model prayer. It's a template. It's to help us. Yes, we can pray it as written, but it's also given to us as a template, a model, a pattern of how we should develop our own prayers to the Lord. And so we come to the second part of verse 9 where it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, when it comes to the fatherhood of God, some people really have an issue. They have a struggle. They might even have an emotional or a mental block or pain that comes up in their life. Why? Well, because of their earthly father. Uh, Perhaps they had an absentee father, an abusive father, a bad father, or maybe, maybe even a missing father like Dr. Stanley had because his father had died when he was very, very young. But for whatever reason, when they think about the fatherhood of God, and then they think of their earthly father, they really struggle with this whole idea. Because they look at God through the lens of their earthly father. And uh, perhaps that's you today, friend. When you think about the fatherhood of God, uh, you struggle with that. And there's disappointment in your life and pain in your life. And I really am sorry if that is the case. I understand. Uh, My father died when I was five years old. Uh, The Lord did bless me later with a stepfather. Uh, But I understand what it is to lose a father and to not have a father present. But I can assure you of this today. Whatever your circumstance is concerning your earthly father... Our Heavenly Father is absolutely and totally perfect and wonderful and glorious. He will never leave you nor forsake you nor fail you. And whether you had an awesome dad or an awful one, or maybe just an absent one or a missing one, God wants to be your Father. Now, I know there are those who say, well, we're all God's children. And I understand in a sense that if you go back to our original parents, Adam and Eve, that yes, we all are descendants from there and Likewise, we are all created by God, but we only become truly a child of God in this sense when we trust his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this prayer that we're studying, the Lord's Prayer or the Disciples Prayer, or this model prayer, it can only truthfully be prayed by someone who is a child of God. And so I've got to ask you today, is he your father? Is he your father? We've got to establish that right up front. The Bible says that everybody's sin, everybody's messed up, everybody's fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin separates us from a holy God. But he's made a way of reconciliation, the only way, through his son, the Lord Jesus. He sent his son, God, the Lord Jesus, in the flesh to take upon himself our sin upon the cross. And he did that. He died, he was buried, and he rose again victorious. And the Bible says if we'll turn away from our sin... And trust Jesus Christ alone. We will be saved. And we'll be made a child of God. In fact, John 1.12 says, But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in His name. So I've got to start out by asking you, is He truly your Father? And if He's not your Father, I pray today you'll turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ, and have Him as your Father. Well, if he is your father, let's talk about these words. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Only eight words in the New King James. But the truth of the matter is we could preach multiple sermons on this. We could pull them out and look at our Father. We could look at heaven. 
We could look at hallowed be your name. We could look at multiple messages. But I want to keep this series moving. So we're going to consider all of those words today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so first of all, notice this. As Christians, we are in a family. We're in a family. Did you notice that first word in those, that phrase? Very interesting. It's the word our. Jesus didn't say to pray this way, my Father. No, He didn't say that. He said, I want you to pray this way, our Father. It's a reminder that we are in the family of God and we're not the only one in the family. In fact, when you look at the Lord's Prayer itself, I want you to notice the plural nature of the pronouns. Are you still there in Matthew chapter 6? Look at verse 9 again. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Father, our Father, when we become a child of God, through salvation, through the Lord Jesus, we become a part of God's family. We've sung this song many, many times here. I'm so glad of a part of the family of God. And so our prayer life should not be selfish because we're praying to our Father. It should not just focus upon ourselves and our needs. We're not the only child in the family. And can I just remind you too, we're not the favorite child in the family. It's our Father. And so our prayer should not be anything that would harm another member of the family. In fact, when we pray our Father, we pray these things, we should remember the other members in the family and seek to bless the other members in the family as we pray. It gets our eyes off of ourselves right away and reminds us that we have a Father, but likewise, we're one of many in the Father's family. You know, one of the things... Uh, one of the worst things a family member can do is be selfish. Let me ask you, think about it. When a member of the family gets selfish, what happens? There's discord, there's disharmony. And in fact, let me ask you this. Parents, have you ever taken a kid to a restaurant they didn't want to go to? And you're there and you're trying to enjoy a good meal and they're miserable. And, and their misery, their selfishness makes everybody miserable. For a while, until you deal with the misery and you deal with the selfishness. One of the worst things we can do is be selfish when it comes to the family. When we kneel in prayer, it's good to remember that I am only one of many children of God. Yes, He longs to hear from me. Yes, He is my Father. Yes, He cares about me. Yes, He loves me, but I'm not the only one. And I shouldn't have all my prayers just about me. We're in a family. And because we're in a family, we're reminded, secondly, that we have a father. We have a father. The next word after our is the word father. Now, can I just let you in on something vitally important? If you're taking notes, make sure you write this down. This is the key to the Lord's Prayer. Father. In fact, this is the key to every prayer. In fact, if you're going to live the Christian life, if you're going to be a follower of the Lord, you better come to understand the fatherhood of God. It will help you and bless you in so many ways. Now, what do we mean when we say that God is our Father? Well, our own doctrinal statement, 
the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, which we all subscribe to and affirm, says this about God our Father. God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe, His creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of His grace. Talking about the Father, He says He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and He is fatherly in His attitude Toward all men. Adrian Rogers, who's now in heaven, said it well when he said, in reality, when we call God Father, we're just not merely attributing to God human attributes and making God in our image. Father is not what God is like. Father is what God is. He says, someone may ask, is God a man? Of course not. God is not a man. God is not a woman. God is spirit, but God is Father. When we call God Father, we're not talking about biology, we're talking theology. It's very important you understand this, because if you don't understand it, your knowledge of the Bible is going to be very, very skewed. So He is Father. He is our Heavenly Father. But notice that it says that He's our Father, and there's two more words, in heaven. We sing about heaven today. We read Scripture about heaven. That phrase, Father in heaven, is so significant and it's so much in that phrase. Our Father in heaven, it speaks of intimacy, but it also speaks of majesty. Our Father in heaven speaks of eminence, but it also speaks of transcendence. He is our Father, that is, He is close. He is intimate. He is near. But He is our Father in heaven, that is, He is majestic. He is sovereign. He is Lord. He is great. By the way, when it says that He is our Father in heaven, it's not just talking about location. Um, Because He is our Father in heaven, He's not bound by the earth. He's not bound by time and space. He's outside the boundaries of time and space. And yet because He's omnipresent, because He's our Father, He's also within with us here in time and space. And so He's transcendent. He's above and beyond. And yet He's intimately involved in our lives. He's Father. He's near. But He's also in heaven. And when we say that He's in heaven, we're talking about as well His authority and His power. Not just location, but His authority and His power. Just like we can say this today. We can say that Donald Trump is in the White House. When we say that, it can have more than one meaning. If I were to say Donald Trump's in the White House, it could mean right now he is in the White House. I mean, that's where he lives. He may be. I don't know where he is. But he could be this moment in the White House because that's his address. But when I say Donald Trump is in the White House, it also reminds us that he lives there because he is the president. And by nature of his office, he has authority and power that's been granted to him by the people of the United States. So when I say that he's at the White House, it could mean he's there at the moment. That's where he lives. But likewise, he has power and authority because he's in the White House. And so when I say our Father in heaven, yes, he is in heaven, but he also has authority and power. The psalmist said it this way. Jot this reference down. Psalm 115, verse 3. Psalm 115, verse 3. This is worth chewing on, by the way. Psalm 115, verse 3 says, But our God is in the heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Think about that. 
Psalm 115, verse 3. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. No man says to Him, what are you doing? No man can stay His hand. No man can stop Him. Now I want you to think about this. This is the one we're praying to. This is our Father. We're in a family. We have a Father. And so, the third thing we need to recognize from this request is this. We want to honor the Father's name. This brings us to the first request in the Lord's Prayer. There have been no requests so far. Our Father in heaven. Now we get to the first request. And there are six or seven requests, depending on how you count the last one. Some people want to divide the last one into two. But I'm going to take them as six. There are six requests in the Lord's Prayer. The first three deal with the Lord and God were in their focus. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The next three deal with us. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses and so forth. And they deal with needs that we have. But this is the first one. You can think about the request. One author said it's kind of like this. There's God's prayer list and then our prayer list. God's prayer list comes first. Our prayer list comes next. The problem is we often forget God's list. (laughs) We only bring our list. We forget his request. But he says there in here, our Father in heaven, here's the first request Jesus tells us to pray. Hallowed be your name. Now, we don't use that word hallowed very much today. Hallowed means to honor, to sanctify, to reverence, to treat as holy. I want your name, Lord, to be treated holy. It's to be honored. It's to be lifted. And we're to hallow what? We're to hallow His name. God's name. God's name stands for His character. It stands for His reputation. It's it's all about who He is. Just like your name stands for you. And so in a group like this, we've been around for some time, I can mention somebody's name. And so I might mention to to you, Miss Catherine. And when I mention that, you think about her. You think about a sweet lady. You think about somebody who plays the piano, someone who has a servant's heart. You think about her because her name represents her. Her character, her reputation, when you hear her name. And that's true of all of us. And so when it comes to God's name, He says, I want you to hallow. God, may your name be exalted. May, you, may your name be honored, treated as holy. And by the way, if ever there was a day we need to pray that prayer, it's today. Because God's name is not hallowed. It's not treated as holy. It's not treated special. And sad to say, even among God's own people who lightly use the name of God. By the way, you can dishonor God's name in more ways than just by swearing. Whenever you use it lightly, without meaning, without reverence, you are dishonoring the name of the Lord. And he says here, pray, hallowed be your name. In other words, pray prayers. Remember, it's a model prayer. Pray prayers that bring honor and glory to God's name. Before personal requests are made, the focus is upon the Father. There's worship being ta- uh, taking place here. We've been worshiping this morning, singing about praising the name of Jesus, the name of God. Let me give you a humbling exercise to do. Don't worry, it's not a physical exercise. But I want you to think about your normal prayer life. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Think about the prayers that you pray on a regular basis. And I want you to ask yourself this question. How much of your prayer is concerned with God's name? 
This is the very first thing Jesus teaches us about praying. This is the perfect prayer, the model prayer, and the very first request Jesus says to pray is, Hallowed be God's name. How much of your prayer is concerned with God's name? It's a humbling thing because if you're like me, when you really get honest about that, you begin to realize that a lot of our praying is not about God's name. It's about our name, our needs, our stuff. And the whole focus is us. And by the way, we should pray about us. We should pray about our stuff. We're going to learn that later. He even talks about it in the Lord's Prayer. There is a place for that. But the problem is, that's not the starting point. The starting point is God's name. Our life is to be taken up with the glory of God. It's interesting. You think about it. This, this prayer begins focusing upon God. Then we move to our needs. And then it closes out talking about God again. And at the very beginning, it's about what? God's glory. Your name be hallowed. Your name be exalted. And at the very end, what does he say? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So it's sandwiched in between our needs are sandwiched in between the glory of God. Jesus said in John 14, 13, And whatever you ask in My name, listen, you ask in My name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So when we pray, hallowed be Your name, we're bringing ourselves as part of the answer to that prayer. Father, I want You to be honored and Your name to be honored in my life, in my family, in my school, in my work, in my church, in my business dealings, in my community involvement. I want Your name to be hallowed. I want Your name to be exalted in my life. Because you can't pray that and not be part of the answer. You can't just pray, well, hallowed be Thy name and then live for Your own name. If you're really going to pray this prayer, You've got to become part of the answer. That God will be hallowed, His name will be hallowed, treated as holy and exalted and honored in your life. Now I want to give you a homework assignment. I know it's Sunday and I know the kids have off the next two days from school, so you've got time. And it's not a hard assignment, but it may be a humbling assignment. I want you, as you pray this week, to analyze your prayer. I don't want you to change your prayers. I mean, until you get through the exercise and you realize you need to change it. But simply put, I want you to pray. Then I want you to ask yourself this question. Ray Pritchard suggested this, and I borrowed it from him. Ask yourself this question. So when you go and you pray the next time, when you're done praying, ask yourself this question. If God answered the prayers you prayed today, whose name would be glorified? If God answered the prayers you prayed today, whose name would be glorified? Your name or God's? And I think if we'd be honest, it would help us tremendously. See, I'm praying. I gave you all the goals for this series last week. One of my goals is to encourage you in your prayer life. Not discourage you, but encourage you. And I've had to examine this in my own life. Because the truth of the matter is a lot of times we rush into God's presence and we have all these burdens and all these needs and all these issues and God cares about all of them. We're to cast all of our care upon Him. But the problem, whoa, the problem is, y'all are awake now. The problem is we forget God's request. We forget that we're to start with the Lord and His honor and His glory and we rush in and it's all about me and mine and my stuff and all this 
and then we say in Jesus' name. And Jesus says, no, if you want to pray in my name and you want me to answer you, you need to pray that the Father be glorified in the Son. What you pray ought to bring glory to my Father. And see, that's how you get answers to your prayers. When the focus, and even when you bring your requests to the Lord, you begin to pray in that light. God, how can you glorify your name in even answering this request? And it reorients your whole focus. And if we'll carefully and prayerfully pray that way, if God answered the prayers you prayed today, whose name would be glorified? Beloved, we've got a Father today. Our Father. By the way, I'd encourage you when you got time, I did this some last night, to begin looking. You know, this is the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And I begin to look and see where it talks about the Father. And in chapter 6, he talks about the Father. In chapter 7, he talks about the Father. And I've been thinking a lot about the fatherhood of God and the relationship that I have with my Father. And when you really begin to look at God in that light as your Father, it just does something for you that nothing else will. And it helps you in ways that nothing else will. I thought about a song, and I'll give it to you in closing. When I think about our Father... The Isaacs made this song famous some years ago. You know, when we pray, we're talking to the Father. And you know, i got dads here today. And dads, I know you want to bless your kids. And you do. The truth of the matter is, we're limited. We fail. We're sinful. And yet, we have a Father who is not limited. He's not bound. He's perfect. He has all things. And He's our Father. The Isaacs made this song famous or well-known several years ago. And I want to close with the words. I cannot make a world and hold it in my hands. I cannot make the lightning flash across the land. I cannot take a piece of clay and mold it into man. But I have a Father. I have a Father who can. I cannot make a cloud and ascend it in the sky. I cannot love humanity so much that I would die. I cannot even name the stars or count the many grains of sand. Oh, but I have a Father, a Heavenly Father who can. And the chorus comes ringing along this way. Now He sits on high and He looks low and He guides my feet wherever I go. When I don't Understand, I have a Father. I have a Father who can. Let's bow together. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. Can you say that today? Do you know for certain He's your Father? If not, why not today take His Son as your Savior and Lord? Simple prayer from your heart. I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died for me. Forgive me and save me. Become my Father today. You can do that. Would you do that today? And then Christian, can I just ask you before I pray, whose name is really being glorified in your life. 
Dads, moms, who are you teaching your kids to glorify with their lives? And whose name is really important? Yours, theirs, or his? Our world spends so much time teaching us to build up our own names when the only name that really matters is the name of Jesus. So I wonder what God is saying to you today. Are you truthfully praying this prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, not only in the world, but in my life, in my marriage, in my family, in my parenting, in my kids' lives, my grandchildren's lives. May your name be hallowed. May it be treated as holy. May it be honored. May it be all. Our Father, thank you that we can call you that. Thank you that you are not bound by time and space as we are. Thank you that you care and you love us. And I ask that you would help us to be honest before you today as we think about our prayer life, as we think about our Christian life. May we understand more and more what it is to have a Heavenly Father. Make your name great in this place. Make your name great in our lives. Make your name great in this county. Make your name great in our country. Make your name great, O oh God, in this world. May we carefully and reverently treat and handle and use your name because it stands for who you are. And you are God alone. And I pray today that you will be glorified in this place, both now and forevermore. And I pray this in the precious name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 639. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices. The altar is open if you need assistance. We would love to help you. If you need to come to faith in Christ, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to come and just pray today, you want to just come and worship, the altar is open. You come as we sing. 639, let's stand together and sing, Now Thank We All Our God. Thank you.